what we actually do on a day-to-day is around the technology piece of helping GPs and fund managers onboard manager investors and deliver great investor experiences. Um, as far as the tactical hand-to-hand combat of lead magnets, websites, stuff like that, we do support GPs and sponsors, GPs and fund managers do that, uh, but it's not really our core business. But, you know, I can point to a number of examples where we've helped a, a GP, you know, upgrade their website and to make it more appealing, high converting, you know, ranking better on Google, stuff like that. Hey there, I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why? Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Andy Krebar. Andy started his career in investment banking, moved from investment banking into technology in 2015, and made his way to San Francisco. Um, Andy, I'm going to stop because your your bio kind of tells your story a little bit, but I would much rather have it come uh, from your mouth so that uh, it's, I'm sure it's a much more interesting story that way. But um, first, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for taking the time out today. I'm excited to talk. For sure. You left an open loop and made his way to San Francisco and and what happened next? Yeah, and there um, and there we are. We'll, we can uh, we can start before you made your way to San Francisco, or or um, right there. However, you want to pick it up, but but just give us your background. Tell us kind of about uh, what you've been up to, and then um, you know we'll kind of dive in from there. Michelle, so my name's Andy Kreber. Um, today I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called GP Flow. But I did make my way to San Francisco in 2015. I'm originally Australian, uh, as I'm sure you can tell from the accent. Uh, started my career in, in investment banking. Then in 2015, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, we packed up all our stuff in Australia and moved to San Francisco. And we did that because we wanted to get involved in technology. And at that time, the best technology companies in the world are being built in San Francisco. Today, they're obviously all over the world, but uh, that was the time in 2015. I worked in a bunch of uh, fintech marketplaces and then launched uh, my own company in uh, 2017, um, which went well. We raised... Uh, some money from some great investors. We sold that company in 2020. 2020. And uh, next two years, or next year, did it earn out with that company and then started our new company, GP Flow, in 2022, uh, just when interest rates were at zero. Um, and over the last 12, 18 months, they've gone from zero to five. So it's been a great time to launch a company in, in real estate. But my personal journey with real estate started in 2012 when we actually bought our first apartment, which is a corner spot in a a multifamily building in Bondi in Sydney, Australia. We saved up, my wife and I, girlfriend at the time, saved up a hundred grand, you know, put down a uh, hundred grand deposit, bought the place for half a million bucks, um, changed the the bigger, bigger kitchen to the, the second bedroom, added some value and really just got my teeth dirty with that. And all along the way, my dad is an architect. He taught me a bunch about real estate and how he can add value and that really, uh, Pick my interest. So over that course, that journey from San Francisco to the US and getting started with GP Flow, I've been investing in real estate on the side, and GP Flow is really just bringing about those those two things together: my background technology and my love of real estate. Yeah, and it, it. I mean, the start in real estate is kind of, I guess, how a lot of people, a lot of us, end up. You know, hey, we're going to buy something, figure out, you know, fix it up, do do something mm-hmm. on a on a smaller scale and then you know you you, you very pretty quickly realize the power there and kind of move up and especially 
if your dad was a architect, you have even even more influence uh, in that space. But your so your journey into into technology and 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 kind of marrying the two together, you know, sort of real estate and technology, it's a really interesting um, niche. And I think obviously that's that's the way everything's headed, right? Like they're they're the I don't know if the pandemic sped things up, but uh, seemingly sped up the use of technology in almost all areas. But but I feel like in real estate, quite a bit, people are realizing, you know, kind of what you can get done from a phone or from a computer or, you know, so without being um, necessarily on location. So what was, I guess, what was the driving force for you to go, is it just you started investing in real estate and then thought, hey, I can make this better? Or kind of what was your thought process yeah. moving into that? Well, coming back to my, my dad, and he's a he's a self-deprecating architect. So he's always making jokes about um, you know, architects don't have work and they're driving taxis to make ends meet and stuff like that. But he told me many lessons about real estate, but two lessons really stood out. And I share this often with uh, the investors we work with is one, he taught me how it's the number one driver of people's quality of life. So he'd be driving me around in his big red Land Cruiser, which is now 30 years old and still working. Uh, and take me to job sites, take me, you know, this is what we're doing here. This is the building going up. This is how we're going to add a pool in here, stuff like that, which always resonated with me around like, wow, it's like a really important driver of quality of life. Mm-hmm. And the second lesson he taught me was how it's an incredible platform for compounding wealth. You know, the the debt you can get into real estate, it's, you know, inflation, inflation safe and, you know, safe as houses, stuff like that. So those two things really stuck with me and I'm still a bigger believer in those things. As far as it comes to technology, we're sort of like the, the fish are swimming in the water, being asked, how's the water boys? I think we're so in it that we don't really know what's happening, but it is moving quickly. And I think we saw the opportunity of how do we give more people you know, access to this great platform for building wealth, which is real estate. Mm-hmm. And that's what really led us into to building out GP flow and helping more sponsors, GPs and fund managers you know, on board and raise more capital by bringing more investors into the asset class. So that's the, I guess the the tagline, if you will. You know, that's that's what GP Flow does. Can you can you tell us a bit more about it, sort of on the granular level? Uh, maybe both from how, how does it benefit the the GPs? How does it benefit the limited partners? What what's what's kind of the um, I, I assume it's sort of making connections there. So how does how does it work? Yeah. So we started the company uh, actually building out our own fund on top of it, which is uh, you know, still an active fund today called Honeybricks. And we were basically crowdfunding into other uh, GP deals. So we're raising between you know, 250 to a million dollar checks off, you know, typically 25 to 50 investors for each investment, pulling them into an investment vehicle and then investing in one of these bigger deals. And at the same time, we were building out a technology for other companies to do this themselves. Um, so how it came about was actually doing it ourselves and really being the customer for ourselves. And ultimately today we're onboarding new GPs and fund managers who are using the software we built to do it for their own investors. Uh, as far as you know, what we do, you can think about it similar to a traditional uh, investor portal, except we're, we're doing it a little bit differently in, in regards to a few different pieces of the puzzle. Um, for example, one of the things we focus heavily on is integrating with existing CRM platforms. Now, a key opportunity we see a lot of GPs and fund managers have is they've got an incredible CRM like HubSpot or Active Campaign with a bunch of automated workflows for you know onboarding investors and giving them the right content at the right time. But there's other CRM in the investor portal. 
which has got you know, duplicate records and they don't understand you know, how people got in there. Are they accredited or not? Do they come with the email or the lead magnet? And so they're managing these two systems. And we said, let's not try and rebuild the CRM. Let's just integrate with the best ones out there. So one of the key things we focus on is having a really tight integration with active campaigns, HubSpots, and those sorts of things. So to give GPs and fund managers that single source of truth. So if people are self-committing, getting distributions, downloading investment docs, they can see it all in their CRM rather than having to go to an investor portal to figure out what's going on. So there's a few other things like that, which is trying to do differently, but overall the theme of how do we help, you know, GPs and fund managers raise more capital by bringing more people into the asset class. Sure. Are you, is it, are you, I guess, looking for investors or are you, I guess, maybe are you helping those, those uh, GPs, your customers find more investors actively? How, or is it, more along the lines of, you know, if, if I come in there, I've gotten my investors and and I, I'm running my um, lead magnets and all of that. What is the, I guess, does GP flow help in that um, investor attraction, I suppose? Yeah. So the, the core software, you know, what we actually do on a day to day is around the technology piece of helping GPs and fund managers onboard manager investors and deliver great investor experiences. Um, as far as the tactical hand-to-hand combat of lead magnets, websites, stuff like that, we do support GPs and sponsors, GPs and fund managers do that, uh, but it's not really our core business. But, you know, I can point to a number of examples where we've helped a, a GP, you know, upgrade their website and to make it more appealing, high converting, you know, ranking better on Google, stuff like that. But it's probably not our core business. Our core business is the actual software. Sure, sure. Yeah, I love the idea of the, the integration. I, I, I feel like that has been... That to me, I find is one of the biggest struggles with with the technology out there. Maybe not even just in real estate. Kind of in in, uh, I, I find these issues with uh, even calendar um, type portals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like every calendar is its own calendar, and sometimes they go together. And it's it's finding the way to to manage and integrate all of that. I think is is hugely important. And having um, kind of a, a a one-stop integration for your investor portal is hugely important. You want the investor experience to be as seamless and easy as possible. I think you, you probably, you know, one of the one of the ways to attract investors is probably just ease of use. Certainly, performance and and transparency and all of that. But I think ease of use oh, is sure. a huge thing. Yeah, we um we've got a firm belief that. For the GPs and fund managers that want to get out of, you know, investors and, and referrals and, you know, attack the bigger 14 million, 14 million accredited households and the, the millions more incoming accredited investors, it needs to be more than returns. You know, whether it's a, a 15 or a 16 IRR, that's not going to move the needle. But what will move the needle is, is having better investor experiences. And the analogy we like to use is having, you know, a restaurant that's got incredible food, but the service sucks. You know, they right. mess up your order, they're late with the menu, all those sorts of things. And even though the food, which is like the returns might be good, you won't go back there. And if it's another place that has incredible service, but the food isn't as good, it's a 14% IRR, you're still going to keep going back there because you've got great expectations about you'll be kept up to date. You'll be told when things are going wrong. You'll be, you know, have uh, great distribution services, you know, all that sort of stuff. And we think that's what... Uh, GPs and fund managers need to focus on, which is how do we deliver an incredible investor experience so we can welcome more people into into private real estate. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. I think it's 
it's one, one thing to send out, you know, a quarterly email or even a monthly, email. you know, it just needs to be easy. It needs for easy to be easy for people to find their information to, to essentially, you know, make sure that their distributions are going to come, you know, ACH, all, all of that. So what, um, you know, you said you integrate with active campaign, which is great. What are some of the other things that um, you would say is is your strength in terms of you know the software and the technology that that GP uh, does to does well? Yeah, I might keep going with that distributions example you mentioned. I think one thing we see a lot of investment managers that are going after you know accredited investors, the retail audience. There's been a huge push from going from like quarterly to monthly distributions, um, and that may stand, that may strike fear in the hearts of some GPs and fund managers. Like, how am I held into this every month? But there's technology, there's technologies out there that are really help you button up and do that effectively. And we've found, especially in building our fund of funds on GP Flow, if you can get to monthly distributions and have that sort of predictability in your business and the assets you're doing, it goes a long way in building trust and confidence um, in active investors. You know, sending cash out every single month to investors. It's a great way to, to build trust and conviction for them to keep investing in you. Um, and that's probably just one of the examples. So we have, you know, ACH distributions built within the platform. It's, I think we've got it down to six clicks around how you can distribute ACH to all your investors in a specific deal and stuff like that. Just trying to make it super simple and easy for GPs and fund managers to onboard and manage more investors. So distributions is a great example of something we try and streamline and make incredibly easy. So. GPs and fund managers can go from a quarterly to a monthly cycle uh, without many headaches. Yeah, great. What, what about um, on the subscription document side, you know, kind of getting everything, getting them onboarded, getting things uh, signed, you know, when someone wants to make uh, an investment, how, how, how is the ease on that side of things? How does it work for you? Yeah, so it's not, not nothing too fancy there. We have... Uh, embedded uh, e-signatures we held a sign behind the scenes which is now owned by Dropbox uh, but very similar to what you've seen before you know people upload upload a document and say these are the fields people need to sign then you need to sort of orchestrate the sequence going between you know investor to manager to completion to putting it in their, their folder all that sort of stuff now uh, but one thing that comes to mind is you know one thing we going on the theme of integrations uh, you know, having a Dropbox integrations, which is subscription docs get signed, they get automatically posted to this Dropbox folder. It just saves some admin and time of, you know, GPs and fund managers, we know that they're manually downloading that stuff into Dropbox to provide a backup. Yeah, great. Um, what about funding? Are they able to fund through the portal or is that, I've, I've seen that kind of go both ways where it's, you know, we can go right through the portal or sometimes people have to, you know, sort of go, out, you get funding instructions after you've signed everything. How does how does it work with GP Flow? So we it's all done within the portal, and there's three ways: wire, ACH, or digital currencies. Um, and G, uh, sponsors or fund managers or GPs can just connect their bank account, basically connect a distributions account and their contributions account for each of their offerings. Uh, investors connect their bank account via Plaid, which we integrate with, and they basically just connect their account and go back and forth. Uh, you know, easily. That's the way the way we do it. The um the wire process obviously does take some manual intervention. You need to you know, drag and drop so that you've received a wire. Uh, but we try and automate as much as we can as far as you know, funding and also distributing out uh, distributions. Yeah, that's amazing. With I know um, one of the things sort of mentioned in your bio, you talked about tokenization 
uh, syndications. Mm -hmm. it, it's something that I have heard a little bit, had some discussions with people, but uh, you just mentioned digital currency. So what is your, I guess, maybe do you mind kind of expanding on that? What's your, what's your thoughts, how that's going to integrate in real estate uh, with tokenization? Or sure. maybe you've already got it integrated. We actually already do do that stuff. So we do it behind the scenes. And the analogy we like to use with with uh, with customers is it's sort of like going from dial to dial up to broadband internet. Um, it's the end experience is the same. It's just you know way better and more effective. We used to actually lead with that a little bit in our messaging, uh, but what we found is surprise, surprise, people don't really care unless that's like an actual use case for them. Uh, one thing we actually we did just recently is around a redemption process. We're working with a GP that had to uh, take back, sorry, redeem some of their shares from investors and issue them out to new investors. You know, the old way is using a bunch of side letters, subscription docs, cancellations, all that sort of stuff. Um, new way is just using uh, digital securities, or which is basically shares running on a blockchain, which is much more easy to transfer. So you basically you don't need all that legal intervention. So you save, you know, potentially thousands or millions of legal fees over the course of your of your business. Is that something that you could do? I guess if you've suppose someone had an existing uh, syndication in place, maybe it's been you know uh, going on for say three years, and they wanted to go through this process. Could mm -hmm. you do it with tokenization now, or, or does it have to be? Do you have to have that sort of implemented from the beginning? No, you can do it at any time. The key thing to look for is what's in the operating agreement and what. I guess, what powers does the manager have? Um, often in the operating agreement, the manager will have the ability to, to tokenize a syndication or a GP class, sorry, an LP class without intervention, doesn't need a vote and they can just do it. Sometimes in the OA, it's going to be, you know, there needs to be a majority vote, whatever it is. But as far as converting a, let's call it a traditional um, syndication to, to a, a tokenized or a, a digital security syndication, two things need to happen. Uh, the first one needs to be what they call like a, a tokenization plan, which basically says uh, we reserve the right to basically take these shares and put them into a digital security format, which basically makes them a tradable security on a blockchain. And the second piece is around investors actually opting in. So the investor says, uh, I'm adopting the tokenization plan. This is my uh, my wallet address and my digital security account, whatever it is. And then the, the securities are transferred into that account. So it's a two-step pro process. It's probably a lot easier to do it from the get-go. And a lot of managers we work with today aren't even tokenizing this indication. They're just putting the language in the operating agreement because they know that the world moves quickly and you know, two years into their 10-year fund or whatever it may be, they may want to tokenize this indication. So they're putting that in, but there's really there's two steps once it's actually initiated. One is like the adoption of the plan, and then two is the actual investor saying, I'll take my digital securities. Yeah. No, I actually like like I mean again it's something that I will <laughs> fully admit I know very little about you know sort of it it just hasn't been something I've done a lot of research into um, tokenization the blockchain all of that but I, but I it's obviously something that the people uh, people who it seems the people that use it are passionate about it and having that at least language in the in the PPM I think is actually um, a great idea in you know, sort of in preparation for the future, or at least for those specific investors that want that optionality. I think that's that's a great idea to have it kind of yeah. from the get-go. And if investors 
probably won't want it until they, they need it. Um, and right. where this comes to fruition is, you know, as I said, if someone wants to redeem their securities or they want to transfer from my account to this beneficiary's account or from Sally to Frank, um, that's when that's when this stuff makes sense. But if people are just sitting sitting in the syndication for five years and, and not moving, doesn't really make sense. But when you have a, a longer term fund life or you have a number of investors that may want options or you want to raise more capital by offering, you know, letting investors know that you're liquid after 12 months, that's when these uh, these things really do make sense. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great thing to kind of add to the, to the toolbox for sure. Um, you said, so you have your own fund, you said that uh, that's currently active. Uh, we haven't done any deals in a while and I'm, uh, we probably probably will sunset the fund. But it's really around just proving out the technology. But uh, but yes, we have a we had a, a fund of funds called Honeybricks, which was basically a consumer crowdfunding sorry a crowdfunding marketplace focused on retail or accredited retail investors. Uh, we did did about ten deals, raised about five million dollars over the last 12, 12 months. Uh, but now we're very much focused on building out the the GP Flow platform, and Honeybricks actually runs on GP Flow, so that's where that's where the connection is. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's, that's a great idea to sort of build it on your own, uh, you know, have, have it, you can build it exactly how you want it, I guess, if you're, you're integrating your own, your own platform and your own fund fund. Um, it's very cool when you, I guess when you're working with, uh, new GPs and, and, you know, kind of finding other fund managers to bring on as customers, what is, what is the the angle? What is, I don't know if I'm phrasing this right, but sort of what would you tell them, hey, why should we come to GP flow versus, you know, sort of the, the um, platform that we're using already, or maybe they're not using a platform, but, but what do you, what do you sort of point to as the unique pieces to GP flow? There's probably two big buckets we see. One is the huge wealth of generally capital raises or you know, fund to fund managers that are just operating off spreadsheets and Dropbox, um, which works. You can get a, you know, a few deals done, but after time, if you want to take that business seriously and you know, professionalize what you're doing, you need to make the jump to having a you know, quality investor portal. Um, and for that group, the, the pitch is you know, quite easy. It's sort of like, look what you're doing today, all this manual work and administrative process. Um, let's use purpose-built software to make that you know, faster, better, cheaper, more efficient, et cetera. Um, the second bucket is around uh, GPs or fund managers that have existing software in place. And for, those, for that bucket, it's really around understanding, you know, what they're using, you know, what portals they're using, what challenges they're having, what other technologies are they using? Um, for example, I was speaking with a, a GP this morning that's using active campaign for the CRM. They're on Juniper Square as their investor portal. And he's having a tough time reconciling those two systems um, because they don't integrate. He's got two sort of CRMs, a lot of busy work. So it's about understanding, you know, what are they using today? Is that working? And what's the opportunity? Uh, GP Flow seeks to streamline a lot of that stuff. So if they're having challenges around integrations or having challenges around investor experience, um, you know, some portals don't have ACH distributions, they have to do Nacho files. So for them, understanding what the customer has, what pain points do they have? And, you know, how can GP Flow best fit and solve those specific pain points for them? That's, that's great. I, I think it, it's just uh, the, the beauty, I guess, 
option having options different different investor portals is is great but i think at the end of the day sometimes um it can be hard to decide so kind of knowing what the strength of of gp flow mm -hmm. is like that's a really important piece um for people you know kind of making as you said either making that switch or if they don't have anything you know that's that's when it's a little bit easier to see hey the, how is this going to improve my workflow make things easier for me you know get as you mentioned before get it to uh maybe get it to monthly distributions and sort of the the not being overwhelmed by the amount of work that that is you know all all of that i think just trying to make that day-to-day -day, um, process better for the general partners but but especially for the investors i think is is really key so i love that that was you know kind of your focus and in, in using your own um funds to to be you know the the test case i guess if you will i think it makes a lot of sense for sure. the, what's that i said for sure it's uh it's been great to uh they say eat our own dog food uh <laughs> over the last 12 months yeah yeah i'm sure i i think i mean that it's really a smart way to do it i, I think be be smart for a lot of people to do, to develop products that way uh in just getting the, the ability to kind of see how it works uh in their own products or their own i guess businesses before sort of marketing it out to the to the general public so i think it's great andy with uh with this, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. I want to get to ask you the questions I ask every guest. Um, and I think it's it's really interesting you had the, the tech background and kind of combining that with real estate, um, probably a little bit outside the box in, in what some of my guests talk about. But I think it's it's needed. Uh, it's really, like I said, I, I the integration in with all the tech that's available has been to me a very big challenge for us you know it's mm. i'm lucky enough to have an assistant who <laughs> will go through and figure out the steps and and uh get things in place for me but but it's definitely something that that i think is uh there's more of that needed um but the name of the show is know your why i always ask every guest you know kind of what is your why what what are you pushing for what what drives you towards bigger uh bigger and bigger success you've already had uh a successful career in tech and now you know kind of growing this what what's pushing you yeah uh my wife really obviously starts with my family which i'm sure is a, a giveaway answer a lot of people lead with but it's probably been brought into extreme fo extreme focus the last what five and a half weeks we just welcomed our our second baby girl to the family which has been an absolute blast um yeah it's, it's it's a uh, it is fantastic and, and mom's healthy and, and baby's doing well and that sort of stuff uh, but it's been a huge adjustment going from you know my wife and i juggling our two and a half year old daughter has been obviously very rewarding but very very demanding at times and now we have two of them and i'm like holy smokes i used to look at you know other families that have two or three or four kids and be like wow that's impressive and now i'm like oh my god how do they actually do it <laughs> so that's been a, a huge huge jump for us last five weeks and it's just the reps and sets of doing it. But when I come back to my why, I think it's really for them. I think, you know, what makes me passionate about doing what we're doing is having a huge impact, but also giving them the opportunities, which I want them to have and stuff like that. Um, so my, my why obviously really comes back to my family. Yeah. Yeah. Two, uh, two kids is not twice the work. 
it's like four times the work of one that's when we had our second same thing our son was two and a half when we had our second and she uh, it was like this is not this is not double the work this is like far more work than I ever anticipated it could be yeah, yeah. with an extra one it's amazing like it's there it's great I love you know now now they're four and a half and two and and seeing them uh play together and like just the it's it's really cool to watch them grow but yeah that um if you're at the it's I just laugh because if you're at the beginning stages of going from one to two like I thought one was a little hard and then it was just like suddenly what I realized was basically I think my wife was taking care of most everything that I didn't yeah. even necessarily know and now I have to be uh <laughs> had to step up pretty quickly then so That's exactly no, it. yeah it's and it's a, also brought me a lot closer to to my parents which were both back in Australia but you know, often giving them a call a few times a week and I think I'm one of four kids and I've grown even more respectful and appreciative of them having yeah. two kids and realizing they had yeah. you know, four rugrats to juggle when they were you know, in their thirties and forties and still do today. But it's brought me a whole lot closer to you know, my family back home, realizing that uh, how much yeah love and work goes into raising young kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I see people, like you said, like with three, four five kids and I'm just like, what, what, what happens like it, it must at yeah. some point they start taking care of each other like how do you, how do yeah. you handle all of that so yeah it's it's uh it's true it's a big um big testament to you know the generations before us too my, my grandparents had seven kids I'm like I can't even fathom that at this point it's like I do know that at least like once you have seven they're far enough apart that they truly can start to to yeah. help take care of each other but yeah it's, it's a crazy thing to uh see you know the, the size of families um and and to imagine you know what people do that so it, yeah it is it is remarkable um mm -hmm. but congratulations again on the, the the new baby yeah thank you um tell us something about yourself that uh isn't common knowledge special skill a hobby uh just something to let the listeners know you better and um kind of uh, maybe outside of of work yeah uh i'm huge into basketball uh in san francisco from 2015 to 2020 when i when i was there i was a big dubs fan and they're a very good team at the time still a very good team uh, but i'm very into my basketball grew up playing with it um still play you know over here in the states i love playing pickup uh yeah so i'm big in my basketball one thing I've actually got really into recently is a, a hang bar, which has completely changed my life. It's one of those things that you know, jams between a door frame. And uh -huh. I, one of my mentors mentioned like, hey, Andy, you try this out. You know, I've been hanging for a few minutes every day. And funnily enough, now that I'm doing it, I'm realizing that that hundred buck hang bar you get from Amazon is um is quite helpful for your health. So I'm big into the basketball, big into fitness, and I'm, a hang bar has just changed my life the last six months. What? This I'd never heard of that. So you're just hanging? You're not doing pull-ups or anything like that? You're just literally just hanging? Or what you is can do, You can do pull-ups, uh, but the goal is just to hang and to stretch out your spine. Um, yeah, so I, I tell Alexa to put a minute on um, and just, just hang there uh, for a few times a day. It's been, it's been great. I'm going to have to check this out. I like the idea of that. I have, I've <laughs> been to a chiropractor and they have... I, I don't really get into all the adjusting and cracking but they have a distraction table i don't know if mm -hmm. you've ever seen it but it's like it was the most amazing thing i was having a lot of back pain and like and it, it literally just goes like this and like back and forth 
and it stretches out your spine kind of all at once. Like the hang, the hang bar would probably do that as well over time, but it's like you spend, I don't know, 10 minutes on this thing, just kind of it stretching you out. And it, it's amazing. Like I felt taller after the first time I did it. I was like, this is, this is incredible. <laughs> awesome. It makes it reminds me of, um, I know you've seen that Simpsons episode where Homer gets that trash can and becomes <laughs> the chiropractor. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I really was like, I've, I've never been a, I've never had never gone to a chiropractor before. And I was like, oh, my back's hurting enough that I'm going to give it a try. And I went and it was like, he's, you know, the stretching and adjusting. Okay, great. But then he put me on this thing and I was like, this is the greatest invention ever. Like I want to buy one. I'd like to have one in my house, but maybe this hang bar is the, uh, the less expensive version of that because I think those distraction tables are thousands of dollars, but it's uh <laughs> it's, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool feeling to kind of get your spine stretched out and, and feel better about that. A uh, <laughs> little bit of a little bit of an off topic, but I, I, this is this, like this stuff is uh, the whole reason for that question. Basically like, interesting to find these things out. Yeah. Um, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's the best way? Uh, check us out at, at gpflow.com. Uh, we're going to be releasing a bunch of uh, YouTube content coming out in the next six months. So uh, check us out there. Uh, I don't know when this will actually go live, but you can learn more about us at, at gpflow.com. Subscribe to our mailing list. And yeah, if you're interested in, in raising more capital or delivering a great investor experience, you know, we'd love to, to hear from you and see how we can help. Um, final question for you, uh, and you can, I guess, take this in whatever direction you want, but typically uh, I ask, you know, wh what piece of adv advice would you give to someone starting out? And so, uh, you've got a pretty diverse background. I, you can take that in, in the, the direction of real estate or business or, or whatever, uh, you feel most appropriate, but just, you know, kind of advice for someone who's listening and, and they want to, they hear this, they're like, oh, this sounds great what would you what would you tell them uh in terms of getting started let's start with what do they want to do in 10 years i think the older i've got i've realized the more important is to just think long term um it's really the only reason only way to think but i feel like every year i grow a little bit older it's all about just thinking long term so whether that person's looking to you know be in real estate or be in capital markets or be in technology or be a a sports coach at a, at a college basketball team, I'd say just, just focus on that and uh, just do the reps and sets each day to get there. I think in all things, you go from a brown belt to a brown belt to a black belt, what have you. And I think if you just get up, do the reps and sets, keep thinking long-term, you know, eventually you'll get there. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Great piece of advice. Um, well, Andy, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate everything that you shared with us. Um, sounds like the, the platform is, is actually really exciting. I'm going to check it out myself. Um, but uh, I, I do just want to say thank you and, and thanks for taking the time out. Oh, for sure. Thanks for having me on, Jason. It's been yeah, a blast. Absolutely. And uh, folks listening, I know you're going to love this episode. Definitely check out Andy's website. We'll have everything in the show notes. Um, and please like, rate, and review the show so we can get more great guests like Andy. Thank you all for listening. Yeah. I am Dr. Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast, where we explore the why behind success. Every week, I meet with real estate investors, veterinary entrepreneurs, mindset coaches, authors, and fitness professionals to uncover their why and how it drives them on the winding road to success. What is your why?